Uh, you're either an energy giver or a taker. And one of my phrases in life is, you're either a fountain or a drain. You either have life coming out for others, or you're going to be a drain and suck people down the drain with you. <laughs> to be a human being, we all end up in the drain at some point. The key is not to stay down in the muck. It's to, it's to flush yourself back up and come and be a fountain again. So if you stay down in the, in the muck and you stay down in the drain a long time, guess what? You'll get covered up and you'll never be able to be light for others. So you got to be able to cycle your way through that and bring life and give life and, and, and give something and do something for somebody else. What you do for yourself doesn't last. It's what we do for others that makes a difference. And so to be able to have a platform to do that, I thank God twice a day, at least every day, for the opportunity that he gives me. And it's the stories that connect us all. I am Justin Rickliffs, founder and CEO of Guild Content. We are so grateful you're here. This podcast is a place where we'll explore the stories of hustlers, dreamers, and doers who are going for it by pursuing meaningful work and living life with purpose. Welcome to Guild Stories. Welcome back to Guild Stories. A fun one today, a whimsical one, I think is the word we've been using in, uh, in the pre-production here. Um, I'll spare the, the long intro and just give you get, get right to it because this is a wonderful and meaningful and fun conversation. So we're joined today by Mitch Wheeler, the Director of Development at The Battle Within, among other things, man of many hats. Uh, Justin Hoover, the Executive Director at The Battle Within. And Rex Hudler, color commentator for the Kansas City Royals um, on Valley Sports. Um, and man, I don't, I don't know any other way to to get us going, but just say thank you guys for, for being here and excited to, to, to chat today. Well, thank you for having us. We're excited. Uh, let's do quick intro just so folks, they don't have the, the benefit of uh, visual cues here. So um, let's do some quick intros. Give us a set the stage for the, the, the roles you're in in, in this particular conversation. Um, and that way folks can start to pick up on, on some audio cues here. Yeah. Well, thanks, Justin. So I'm also Justin. Uh, which is going to be fun for the day. Um, yeah, I started as an infantryman in Iraq uh, back in 05, 04, 05. Um, came home on a medevac bird uh, thanks to a suicide car bomber and mm. uh, decided to end my enlistment when that came up and come back to Kansas City uh, where I'm born and raised. And, you know, there's no place like home. It's all the amazing people here that That's right. uh, when you just ask, what do you, you know, they ask, what do you need? when you first meet them. And, uh, yeah, I just kind of spent the next 10 years living the American dream, uh, getting a job and getting married, having some kids. And that's when, uh, kind of all the things I thought I had suppressed from my deployment came rearing their ugly heads up. And it was finally my wife that said, mm. Hey, you, you need to get some, uh, some help. Um, started going through, you know, this process, this healing journey, and that landed me as executive director as the battle in within. So it's been a fun experience. Real, real quick, just for those who everyone should know, but for those who don't, um, the battle within in a nutshell would be yeah. described as the healing yes. journey. So uh, yeah, just give set, set the stage here a little bit for what. Yeah, so do. our mission is to serve and break down the barriers that, sorry, can I do that again? Yeah, of course. <clears throat> so, Justin, for those who don't know, get, set the stage before we do the rest of the intros. It'd be really helpful for folks to know 
what is the battle within in a nutshell? Can you can you jump in there w- real quick? Sure. So the message, the mission at the battle within is to break down the barriers so all of our nation's warriors, which are veterans and first responders, can get the mental and behavioral health they need. Um, there's so many mental stigmas and barriers to getting that help that it is our job to provide the services that allow them to start that healing journey mm. and become the true people that they're meant to be. And and we, we won't we'll go deeper on this later, but you you went through the program as a what's the correct term student yeah <laughs> member so like, I I was a participant participant um, yeah. about four and a half years ago in this yeah. curriculum um, yeah I was just in a mm. a dark place in my life and it was so life changing mm. um, and just having that experience mm. and meeting others that were also on that path that I. I didn't think at that point in my life that anyone else understood, anyone else cared, and was starting to believe that I wasn't really worth the help anyways. And yeah. um, it was just such an amazing journey of so many amazing people proving me wrong in, in every way. Mm, I love it. Thanks, man. We'll dig deeper in that. Um, Mr. Wheeler, you're up. Uh, born here in Kansas City. Uh, been doing sports marketing. Uh, started my career with the Chiefs. Had the uh, great pleasure of working for the Hunt family and uh, just got to know uh, Lamar Hunt Sr. very well and really impacted my life. I mean, I'll, I'll never forget the first time I met him. I was setting up tables and chairs for a Red Coder event, and I looked to, off to the side, and there he was setting up tables and chairs. I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm not doing this right. And I went up to him and said, Mr. Hunt, I can do that. And he said, Mitch. I can set up tables and chairs. <laughs> and just so a, a lesson that, you know, just there was a guy that was not too big or there's no job too big or too small. I uh, spent 11 years with the Chiefs and then went out and started my own uh, sports marketing firm, MAI Sports. We were the Mr. K Small Business of the Year in 1998. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Congrats. And, uh, and then uh, uh, was acquired by VML back in 2000 and spent uh, four years there, and the Royals asked me to come uh, help uh, basically with all the stadium renovation uh, in the, you know, the 2007 and eight and nine. And so the coolest thing for a sports marketing guy, right, would be to be a part of a new stadium build. But if you don't get to do that, to do a renovation of a stadium. And, uh, and then uh, went back and started doing more of a boutique-type agency and – and uh, so just been doing sports marketing my whole career and had the chance through, I got a phone call one time from my son uh, back in 2013, his voice was shaken and said, dad, you remember Adam Majors, who is one of our founding fathers of the battle with it. I thought, oh my gosh, Adam, who had been deployed, I thought maybe he'd been killed and he wasn't killed, but he had this thing called PTSD, which at the time I could not spell you know, PSTD, PTSD, what is it? Did he get shot in the head? And that started my journey out of pure ignorance about what this is and got connected with this most amazing group of people that are still the founders of The Battle Within and have been on that journey of working with veterans and first responders since uh, 2013. It's just been one of the great honors of my life to be a, a part of this program. Man, it's amazing. Um, one of the biggest hearts in KC, right? I mean, in terms of connect- connecting people and being a connector yourself, 
um, in my previous life at Arrowhead. I, I had the privilege of working with you, and mm-hmm. it's um, been fun to watch your meaningful journey, especially here tied into the Battle Within crew. So thanks for sharing. I appreciate yeah, thank that. Thank you. All right, Mr. Hudler, I think some folks know you, but if you wouldn't mind, <laughs> for the couple who don't yeah. in this town. Are you kidding? I'm so happy to be with you guys today, man. And and Justin and Mitch, uh, they're friends of uh, the last few years. I got to meet them, and, you know, you're right there. They're men of character. Um, they're connectors. It was It's an easy yes when they approached me. But, you know, um, before getting to Kansas City, my first life, I was a ball player. I played for the Yankees, Orioles, Expos, Cardinals, Angels, and the Phillies. And that lasted 21 years in three countries. Um, I was a first-round pick, 18th pick overall, out of high school at 17 years old. And I had a full ride to Notre Dame to go catch passes from some guy named Joe Montana. And um, I was all set to go to Notre Dame. And um, the Yankees came in and drafted me out of nowhere. And I changed my life uh, just like that overnight, basically. Um, so I went out in the world and, and uh, tried to tackle baseball. I had no idea it was going to take 10 years of minor league baseball to become an established big leaguer. Um, but I never quit. I persevered, hung in there. Um, the greatest stop for me was Columbus, Ohio. That's where I met my wife, Jennifer, of 32 years. Um, and she is every bit of the reasons that I was able to get 10 years in the majors. So I had basically two baseball careers, a 10-year minor league career and a 10-year major league career. And then um, loved people, loved to share, had a blast. I mean, I was a fan playing baseball. And, of course, I love the media. And so there's a reason that I got on this side. So when I retired my last year in 98 with the Philadelphia Phillies, um, wondering what's next, uh, as I always did whenever I came to a dead end in my career, I would always ask God to put me where he wanted me. And so it was pretty simple. Um, but, you know, to be one of uh, 30 color commentators in the world, uh, that didn't leave too many jobs after the Angels. Uh, they, they hired me after, in 98, after Phillies. I went right from the field to the broadcast booth. The Angels called and said, will you be our broadcaster? I said, uh, absolutely. Uh, are you serious? <laughs> and they go, well, we're a little nervous about your personality, but we think that you, you can be a, a decent broadcaster. So uh, I said, okay, I'm in. I looked at my wife. We lived in Philly. I said, honey, you want to go back to Southern Cal? She goes, man, I'll call the realtor. We're in. So, so we went back. We went to Southern Cal, broadcast 11 years. Their only world championship in 02 was a part of that, just That's like amazing. ours here. Um, there came a time where they, they said, hey, we, you know, you got to go, Hud. And, uh, <laughs> and I said, hey, thank you for having me. And so I moved on. I remember getting out in that parking lot, you know, the uh, Angel Stadium, the big old, it's kind of like our parking lot. Just uh, there's no parking garages. It's wide open. I'm going, looking around, going, man, what? What's next? What am I going to do next? God told me, I want you to, I'm going to take baseball away from you for a little while. You've been making that a little bit too important part of your life. I'm going to, I want you to concentrate on me and what I gave you. It was my wife and four beautiful kids. And I said, really? He goes, I'll, I'll let you know when you can have baseball back. So I said, hey, I can do that. So I went home and, and really dove into my family life. And so I had two years off, two summers that I never did baseball. That was the only time in my life I'd never really uh, had had off. So it was fun. I became the little league dad, you know, and That's helped awesome. out my kid. So I was able to be a normal dad for a couple of years. And then Jennifer came up to me uh, two years in Orange County, no job. And she goes, you know, we're starting to dip into your baseball savings now. Um, I know you like not working. Um, how about if maybe you find a job? And I went... <laughs> Really? Okay. So I remember my kids were young, and I used to take, put them to bed. I would uh, say, I would tell them stories. 
And I would no, pr- I would pray. Really? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I'd tell story. I'd make stories up. Whatever. I would entertain. And then we'd always pray. And I remember asking God to help find me another broadcasting job because I loved broadcasting. That was in my heart. I, mm. I loved it. Mm. You know. And so it had not left me. But how are you going to find twenty nine other teams? To find me a job? I don't know. And God goes, "Hud, no problem, man. I'll let you know when I'm ready for you." Okay. So I kept at it. You know, kept uh, uh, believing. And then out of nowhere, Kevin Ulick of the Kansas City Royals calls me, who was, who was the one who, man who hired me with the Angels. Mm-hmm. Ironically, he was with the Royals now, and they had an opening in their broadcast uh, for a color commentator on TV, and he offered me the job. And I said, what? Really? I started to try to talk him out of it. I said, there's got 30 other people, that, uh, ex-players that live in Kansas City. Why would you call me? And they said, well, you know, our owners, Mr. Glass, they watched you play baseball in St. Louis, first of all. So they were fans of yours. And then when our games were over here, we would tune into the broadcast in, in California. So we, though they heard your style. They liked it. And we want somebody with experience, and we wanted somebody with positive energy. So we're offering you the job. And I go, I'll take it. <laughs> so, so, so there it was. We came to Kansas City now 10 years later. What a beautiful thing, a championship, uh, f- new friends. All, all my new friends right here are sitting around this table with you. Mm, mm. Huge blessing. And, uh, and so, look, it just uh, we go out each day and try to, try to be positive and, and try to be light for others and, and really enjoy the situation, enjoy baseball. And, and uh, I have to give thanks twice a day for my position and, and the, the fact that I get to go to the ballpark and, and talk about a championship organization uh, that cares about people that are involved in the community and that – uh, so it's a perfect fit for me so far, and I'm really happy to be here. Has it been a decade? I mean, at Royals, been. That's it's my insane. 10th year. That's insane. It is. It's, it went fast. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, how how did you get plugged into this current and this river? What these got, what this group's doing, the meaningful work that they've got, um, not only in our community but but broader than that. How did you get? What's the storyline? I don't. I actually don't know the story. That's okay. I was from familiar with uh, with the organization, although they had a different name. What was a different name? What was it then? Yeah, it was Warriors Ascent. Warriors Ascent. That's right. And I was I was familiar with it because Wade Davis was in it, involved in fourteen and fifteen when he was here back then those days, and then it changed over uh, to the Battle Within. They changed the name, and and then um, I. Uh, Mitch contacted me and said, hey, can we, can we meet? And I'd like to share some things with you. And I, he told me who he was. And we had met before. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I, I was like, sure, um, let's meet. And so that was, that was when we met. was at the ball field, right? You right. said, hey, come on. I want to I show you something. Yeah, we invited him out to the hollow. And because if, if we can get people to the hollow, which is our wiffle ball field at 52nd Warnell, we think it's the, the coolest wiffle ball field on the planet. And if it comes down to debate, we go, our groundskeeper is George Toma. Who's yours? You know? <laughs> uh, and so we know if we can get people there, it's just, it's magical. It's absolutely magical. So we start our meeting, and here they're, they're talking, and we're sharing. And they're going, you know, we plan on having a wiffle ball event here. And um, we want to call it Uncle Hud's Mashing Plastic. And I went, really? So do I. <laughs> yeah, you, you want, so, so what are you asking me? Will you, would you mind being the... Uh, the spokesperson or the, or, or the ringleader yeah. of our, of our yeah. event. And I went, wow. Typically, I, I would go home after, so, after somebody presented something like that with me, and I would share it with my wife. And we would talk about it before I would commit. And I went, I'm in. Because <laughs> they talked about what they, who they were doing it for, first responders, veterans. And when they told me that, I was like, yeah, yeah hey, look, I'll be happy to help you. If you think I'm going to be able to help you, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm in. And so I remember how, how uh, the place was. I took a couple swings 
you know, on their field. And, and, uh, I remember going home so excited telling my wife, Jennifer about, Hey honey, an opportunity just appeared out of nowhere. I mean, this is, this is great. Let's, let's do it. And so we did. And, and it was great that they involved me. Um, I, I love to uh, make, to, uh, talk to people on the phone. And so we, they let me, they let me make a couple phone calls with some people, with some sponsors. And, and I was able to, uh, do the parts that they needed me to do to make it. It's a team effort. And, uh, just like any other endeavor. And, um, we pulled off a, a fantastic fundraiser this past year and I'm looking forward to do it again. That's awesome. Um, the, so a couple things just for people to understand when you say the hollow, you're talking about explain more. I've right. seen it. And, 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 and for me, and, and it's going to be fun because I, I got Mitch Wheeler too, right? <laughs> um, he's like, hey, there's this thing and this group and this this of uh, this wiffle ball field. I'm like, what do you mean, man? Like some, what is it? Like so so describe the hollow. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to uh, about five five years ago. We started playing wiffle ball, you know, and got guys together and and uh, Joe Ungeshek, who lives in this beautiful home at 52nd Warnell, he's got a giant front yard. And uh, so we said, Joe, can we play some of our league games here just, just playing wiffle ball and get a bunch of guys together that we get to tune back into that 12-year-old self? And Joe said, sure. And after one of our games, we said, we ought to do a fundraiser here to help the battle within. And uh, we started talking and dreaming about – because it was just a flat front yard. And we started talking about building fences and scoreboards and foul poles and sliding pits and, and all that. Next thing you know, we're organizing a fundraiser. So this is going to be our fifth year that we've actually done a fundraiser. And people just, you know, they said yes. They said yes to helping us build fences and building the field. We went to George Tome and said, hey, George, would you be our groundskeeper? And initially, we just wanted him to show up and be there the night of the event. But George doesn't know about just coming and moving, you know, having a rake, moving some dirt around. And next thing we knew, we, even though we were two months out, George started showing up every day at 90 years old and started to, you know, get the field ready because everything is top-notch with, with George. And my and, favorite thing about George is every time I'd walk up and ask him, and I'm not, like, the field looks amazing all the time. And I'm like, <laughs> George, how are we doing? He goes, oh, Oh, we should have started a month early, but don't worry, <laughs> don't worry, we'll get there. And I'm like, George, it looks great. So the dude's done all uh, all the all Super 50, Bowls, all, all fifty five okay. Super okay. Bowls. Yeah, yeah. And in in my lens, you know, growing up in KC, George Toma is like the guy, right? I mean, you you just you just know him, especially growing up a Royals fan. And my dad was um, was was big into taking us to the K. Um, mom was schlepping me around to practice, right? Like so, so you just knew. You knew who George Tomo was, um, and and we, I mean, just several weeks ago, we had the privilege of rolling out to the to see the hollow, and fly the drone and do some stuff. These young men were pulling weeds and <laughs> doing the thing, and I roll up and there's this. I think it's okay to say this. There's this like beat up old truck. It's duct taped together. Literally, I'm like whose truck is that? That's amazing. And it's got stickers <laughs> of like New York Yankees, Phillies, Super Bowl 26, like all this <laughs> stuff. And Mitch was like, yeah, man, that's George's, that's George Thomas truck. I was like, this is unbelievable. So we go out to the field 
he is legitimately, he's 92, right? He's 92 now. On his hands and knees with the little, I'll get the term wrong. Like a little putter. Little put, putty, yeah, putty, putty knife, knife or yeah. screwdriver looking thing. Plop, plopping out weed by weed. I mean, if I'm George Toma, I'm like, hey, fellas, like, you guys good? Anything you need from me? Do that better, right? George is on his hands and knees, like, pulling the weeds <laughs> out. 92 years old is unbelievable. Yeah. And yeah, he, he gets there 839 every morning, and he's working till five. You know, it's be, and initially I called his wife when he started showing up every day because I thought somewhere we've miscommunicated here. <laughs> and I said, Donna said, I am so sorry. I didn't, I don't know where we miscommunicated. We just need George to show up on event night. And she said, Mitch, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> You've so given him a Once a, he gets yeah, back to the yeah. Super Bowl, then he goes and does the Twins. He's done, he's done the Twins spring training in Florida for 20 years. But he gets back here that first week of April, and he really doesn't have anything to do. He mows other people's yards. He mows his neighbor's <laughs> yards. But we've kind of become that, that garden, that place, that field. It's awesome. It's 10 minutes from his house, so it's perfect. And he shows up, and he just loves on that field. That's unbelievable. That's so if I can share a story, uh, all the uh, the uh, visiting players all know who he is. The, the name's, you know, synonymous with baseball and others, uh, you know, Super Bowl, obviously. But um, I came here as a broadcaster my first year. And, you know, the Royals warned me. They said, it's not going to be easy for you early. You know, these folks here, they're used to their own people. They, we, we don't import from California or New York City, especially, to, to, to handle, take one of our our prime jobs here as a color commentator for the Royals is like a, you know, it's just less than royalty or just a little bit less than royalty, which I, f- I felt. And sure enough, uh, that first year was, was tough. And, you know, the fans, uh, you know, it was hard, a hard adjustment, especially I'm an acquired taste as a broadcaster anyway. And to be thrown on the people like that um, was rough. I remember getting a lot of uh, the social media was, you know, shoo, shoo, shoo. I was hearing all that at night when I laid in bed and it was, it was a little rough, so I got a letter about 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 halfway, maybe maybe three quarters of the way through the season, and it's a handwritten letter, and I opened it up, and 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 it was from George Toma, about two pages, three pages of handwritten letter, telling me about um, how happy he was that I was here, and that we had a guy that was a blue collar ball player that, you know, and that we appreciated you, and he did anyway, and he said, hey, don't let let all the negative go, and. He just encouraged me, this three-page letter of nothing but encouragement so it would tell you about the other side of him, not just the work ethic, but the feeling side for people. So I'm sure that when they, they approached him to help us with the battle within, that it was no problem because the guy has a huge heart, and it was evident by that that he took that time out to write me a letter and to encourage me. Is, I, still have the, I still have the letter. I mean, it's like getting a letter from a president or something. I was like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. I showed my wife and family and everything, and, and it just made me feel really proud. And then here all these years later, 10 years later, we're working on the field together and doing this thing together. So. And, and that's absolutely who he is as a person, Yeah, is, is that guy that sends you that letter. Oh. And um, and so, you know, he engaged with our field because, you know, the thing we've talked about with our event, when people – the key is when people show up, they've heard about it, maybe they've seen some pictures, but until they see the field, and it's magical. And then they walk out on the plane surface, and it's like Kaufman. I mean, it, it's just <laughs> unbelievable yeah. what George has done to take this. And and I really think that's why people keep coming back year in, year out to play in this event, because it is so magical to not just be in a front yard, but to have a stadium 
but to have a plain surface that is, you know, it is manicured by George Toma, who's not only a great groundskeeper, he created the industry. There was no industry. He's the sod father, man. Yeah, he yeah. is. He is the creator of the industry, and he's the best that ever was. That's amazing. Um, I I, I want to pivot just quickly back into and and. and Justin, I think you're the best person to, to kind of launch us here. But um, obviously, like, the pandemic has accelerated this awareness, maybe, I'd say, yeah. around mental health and has begun to, not fully, but has begun to destigmatize issues, things that, like, man, we're going through collectively or have gone through and I think dealing with now – a, a a mental health crisis of 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 massive proportions, right? Like I think um, my wife's studying to get her master's in counseling, and it's been the in many ways like the perfect time to get into that industry because you're starting to accept um, people's broken parts and their their hard parts, the things that are uh, maybe not like the shiny social media post, right? Of like, oh my God, look at this amazing beach house I bought or whatever. And uh, the long-winded intro here, Justin, is um, to the extent that you want to share, you you talked about the dark season that you went through and and the the strong, I'm imagining, the strong response your wife said, hey man, like I love you enough to like help you. And to get and, and and to see your journey now, obviously four and a half years later, um, and we'll come back and, and kind of tie the thread around the the wiffle at the hollow and how this. But but I think it's really important to understand what it is. Like, we get, give us a tangible example of this um, healing journey that that yeah. that one gets taken on through this program. Yeah. So you know, I think it's everyone's story of how they showed up in the seat is different. You know, mine. Um, you would think it would be a year in combat and all the hardships and uh, getting blown up. And I mean, I have two purple hearts and about half a dozen other times yeah. where uh, just the bullet went between your legs or around you and came really close. Um, but yeah, I mean, really it was for me personally coming back and having that experience where I was the tip of the spear. Um, and then you just kind of struggle you know, just doing daily life. Um, very ill-prepared as an infantryman to <laughs> to where your job description is to close with and kill the enemy to come back to corporate America and just reintegrate into that. Mm. And so um, where once I was thriving and being promoted very quickly and uh, now I was just kind of struggling. And personally, it's that that hardship where it's like, man, I don't, I don't want to appear weak. I don't want to... Uh, let anyone down. So you just keep put more hours in, you work harder. Um, and, you know, there's a point where that doesn't work. And so over the next decade. You mean the macho? Hey, I'm a veteran. I'm a, yeah. I'm a tough guy. And right? I mean, I, I know you can't see, but I'm not exactly G.I. Joe. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> um, even with some of my other, I ran into a guy that I deployed with and he was like, no, you're not infantry. I mean, I got glasses. I'm not a huge stature. Um and so he's like, yeah, you're not infantry. And uh, so, yeah, there was always kind of that I got to prove myself. And 
it, and it, it just kind of catches up with you and it burns you out. And I think that's the thing. It's, it's not fast. Um, it's not just a light switch. It's not, you know, um, any of the, the movie telltale signs, but it's just that slow creeping depression that creeps in where it's like, ah, we didn't get the Christmas lights up. Ah, well, we'll do it next year. And then three years later, you're like, man, we haven't had the Christmas lights up in a while. And, um, you know, when you're in those fight or flight situations for so long, your amygdala gets a lot bigger and you're really good at pulling a gun on somebody and determining if I need to pull the trigger or not. But there's no off switch for that when you get home. And so next thing you know, like you're screaming an 11 year old that loaded the dishwasher wrong. And that's just a poor response to the whole situation. And then you're like, man, I feel like an asshole and maybe I am an asshole. And so Mm, it's just the spiral. And yeah, and then you just kind of pull away, and there's that self-isolation that comes with it because you don't want anyone to know that you're not making the cut, and so you just pull yourself back and back. And um, Yeah, it just ended up to a place where I was self-isolating in kind of my own little hole, and thankfully my wife was like, you need to go get help, and I was pissed at her. I mean, of course, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm, I'm dealing mm. with it. I'm fine. I'm fine, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 And... Uh, Kind of that kickstarted my journey. I, I started a few things. And I think one of the other reasons why I didn't start were at that time, all the all the media for warriors and organizations that helped them, most of them had, you know, amputees and burn victims in it. One of my uh, supply sergeants that lost his leg in Iraq was did a lot of marketing for Wounded Warrior Project. And so there's that belief that there's always somebody worse than you, mm. right? Mm. You know, there's that that selfless servant in you that really is just trying to, Hey, I can kick this can down the road. Um, that finally it was like, all right, I'll, I'll give it a shot just to appease her more than anything. But, um, yeah, you, you end up in the seat and you're pissed that somebody felt you needed to be there and ashamed that they're probably right. And then terrified that both, um, my stuff is way worse than everyone else in the room and this won't help me. And therefore I'm taking someone's seat or, my stuff is not as bad as anyone else in this room and I should have just gotten my shit together and I'm taking somebody's seat. But either way, you know, you show up at our door thinking I shouldn't be here for many, many reasons. And pretty much uh, you're wrong just about every time. Mm, Thanks for sharing, man. So then your, your journey looked like what? Like what's the program roughly? I mean, I know there's components, but the journey of healing looked like what? Yeah. So, I mean, really the powerful thing of the week for me was just having that kind of hard reset, being surrounded by people where suddenly I felt I'm not alone. You know, there's others that are, are battling the same thing and that's, that's okay. There's, there's kind of that comfort that you aren't the only one in the world facing this. And of course you aren't, but it's easy to start believing. Totally. Um, coming to realize that there's people that, that understand and care about you. And um, I, I really had this grieving process when I came home from the Army because those were 40 guys I went overseas for a year and ran through hell with. You know, we got blown up. We sh- got shot at. We, we, there's people I, I wouldn't trust any more than those men. And those relationships are gone. How are you ever going to have those back? And then come about Wednesday of the program where you're really just sharing your soul and having somebody's shoulder to cry on that you come to realize these other 
nine other people, it's the same feeling. Like I have that same vulnerability, that same trust. And it's, it's because you go through that, those trials of fire. There's just no bombs and bullets this time, thankfully. Man, it's unbelievable. I can't, I'm, I'm sitting here trying to imagine I can't, right? Like I, I, I didn't have that experience, so I can't put myself in that spot of, I mean, I literally got chills. Like you're talking about, you could pull a gun and decide in, in literally a trigger of an instant what to do. And then you're like cleaning up Cheerios off the floor, right? Like, yeah. And I, and I mean, it's, it's, it's even, I think harder for our first responders. I mean, as in the military, I was there for a year and then I came home and some people have trouble processing like, Hey, there's trash on the road. That might be a car bomb for me. That was, you know, I was able to kind of, Hey, this is a safe place. We're back in the U S but you know, if you're a first responder and you're dealing with a car crash or you're working a homicide and then two hours later, you're at your kid's soccer game, you know, like seeing the worst of humanity and then turning around and trying to be that amazing person that's going to guide your son or your daughter or be a great family member, community member. It, it's very challenging to make that flip back and forth to the, from the soft to the hard when you need to be. And so people just build up the self-defense mechanisms and they get harder and harder Cope. and harder. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> Man, thank you. And Justin, ahead, if Mitch. I could just jump in here real quick. What to me, it's a five day program Monday is defined by hopelessness. Friday is defined by hope. And there's this, you know, they, they get a tool belt. They understand that they got to press in and do the, the hard work. We live in that society where we just want the microwave solution. But one of the things that we constantly reinforce is there is no savior here. And we, we mix up constantly who are, are the different providers for all the different components so that they don't get that savior mentality. But you just look in their eyes on Monday and there's hopelessness. And you look in their eyes on Friday and there's hope. They've got a community of people and nobody cares for you like veterans and first responders because they've been in foxholes and they've had bullets shot at them. So you quickly learn that I can call these people, whether it's 2 in the afternoon and it's 72 and sunny, or it's a snowstorm or a thunderstorm at 2 in the morning. If I need help, this group will respond. And it's just amazing. You've got a tool belt. You've got a community of people. And you also realize, you know, whatever issues you had on Monday when you showed up, you still have them, whether they're financial or relational. But you now have a tool belt. You've got a community of people that are willing to walk that out with you. It's just, it's the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life to see what Monday and Friday look like. The the before and after picture. Yeah. 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 And and again, I don't, I don't, I know enough to ask a question. I don't know the depth of the experience, but the Friday experience is a celebration of sorts, right? Like you invite folks to tell us about what the, what the hope part of the story looks like. Yeah. You know, and I think that's the thing is really you get to understand what that true self is that you're working towards. You get to see that you want to be that better father, mother, husband, wife, and that's going to take a while to get there. But now you have the hope to get there, right? And so you can see the what the journey is going to be to repair those relationships, to work on yourself, to take ownership of the things that 
um, that you've struggled with. And there's a lot of, a lot to be celebrated for that. So Thursday night we have the warrior celebration feast. Cause if you think back to old days, you know, it was a community of healing. It was a community that the men would return home from war and there'd be celebrations and feasts and funerals and rituals to mourn the dead. And we don't have that anymore. And so this is really a, a opportunity to bring that back and to honor what people have gone through and help them process through it together because it shouldn't be an isolated journey. And so that's really what Friday is, is it's that, that celebration of what you have achieved, um, bringing the family back in for graduation to show them what you've accomplished and what together you have to work towards because the journey is not over. It's just begun. We're like the trailhead that's going to lead you into that valley of hope so you can find the true self on the other mountains top. It's wonderful. It's so wonderful, he said, man. And uh, um, Rex, I'm thinking through like the the connection and it and the analogy breaks down and it can't ever like be the same, right? But you know, my time in the NFL, there was lots of conversation about using that platform to celebrate and connect to and honor, pay honor to first responders, military, et cetera. And there's lots of similarities in turn, again, totally different context, right? But there's similarities to the mindset of what a clubhouse looks like, what they go through, winning four in a row, then losing six straight, and then winning, right? Like that, the the valleys and the peaks and the, the challenges, um, I imagine as a as a baseball guy and a storyteller at heart, uh, you you again not fully but can appreciate and understand the experience of what these these guys and gals are going through. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, although, you know, I'm very fortunate, and I have a lot of, of uh, I have a thankful heart for people that support me. And at uh, the 21 years of being a baseball player. It's nothing. We I remember using terminologies like, "We're going to battle tonight. Um, let's get in the foxhole together. I'll protect you. I got your back." You know, those are all make believe stuff. Yeah, that's it has right. nothing to do with the real thing. And so now on the other side, being a broadcaster, it's up to me to take that definition of foxhole or war. We're going to battle, and and keep it light and remember and remind the folks that look, this is nothing like the actual thing. So I have empathy for them, and I appreciate. I have a thankful heart for them, but you know, some of the first responders, I got to hear some stories from them, and and to be a uh, a nurse in a neo natal care unit uh, where they're seeing babies that have been abused, uh, sick babies that that are that are uh, not able that are not going to live through the next week, um, you know, to be a nurse in a situation like that would would affect you. And so I met a, a young girl that, that went through that, and she told me, she shared with me a little bit about the pain of that. And, and, I, and you know, loving people and loving young, young children like I do, it was, it was, like, really hard to hear some of the things that she had sure. to go through. So, you know, there, there's some, there's some uh, stuff that you got to go get over with that too, um, having to deal with that in your job every day, you know. And so there's a need. There's a need. So it's easy for, for my part. And, uh, you know, we've all had some kind of stress in our life at some point, some obviously a lot worse than others. But the thing is here is that first responders and, and veterans, they protect us. They've allowed me to do my thing. Um, if something happens to me or a family member on the road, a side of the road or an accident or something, somebody's going to come and, and, 
and help them. Um, the veterans are, give me freedom to play baseball, give me freedom to broadcast baseball, uh, to the freedoms that I like to do. So I have a, a great respect for that. And so it's easy when you're on my side of it to put your head up and say, how can I help? And, and so, but I'm, I'm also learning a lot, and I look forward to going through the program myself so I can uh, better serve others with the, the experience and how it actually does help. But I have, I have been there on a Friday when they got out, and it was uh, neat to see the smiles and the, especially the families that met them. And uh, to see them embrace was, was very touching. It's wonderful. You you led me to and and maybe for for anybody who this resonates with the the stories of the hope and of the transformation. And I know that theirs are their own and they should remain private, right? But the the anecdotes or um, and it, it's I guess it's hard to answer it this or ask it this way, Justin. But how do you determine if it's impacting folks? If it's um, I, I need a better word. Than working, but like, how do you determine, man? Because it is a, it's a, it's a battle within. It's a, it's a, an experience where, um, maybe doesn't show up on a board report, right? But it's a, it's a life that's been changed or transformed or impacted. Um, what are some of those stories that like keep you guys from a, keep you all motivated, like yeah. excited to move the mission forward. Does that, does that question make sense? It does. Yeah. Okay. No. And, and, you know, it's one of those things. Um, I am very fortunate in my job because I get to live this every day. And so that's really kind of the key of, of staying on that path to healing is making the committed effort. Not everyone has that same opportunity that I do just because they have other jobs and they have lives and they have families. So we've really created an opportunity for them to stay involved through partner organizations, through our next 90 network where they can take those introductions and continue through the journey. So um, I say all that because it's a real privilege to watch them a year down the road, two years down the road and just see the people that they've become. Um, You know, we've, we have so many folks far more than I would like that show up and they say, you know, afterwards they tell me, um, yeah, I had a plan to end it on Friday or Saturday. I came here because my spouse found it. I didn't want him to feel guilty or I just, so many things hadn't worked. I wasn't expecting this to work. Um, And, and I'm still here and they come back and they are mentors because every class of 10 has five mentors in it. And that's unpaid folks that give a week of their time with their families, with their friends, with their job, because they realize how hard this is and they both want to, help you through that challenging week, but also get that recharge themselves. You get so much out of being that mentor and helping others. Um, just seeing their families come back um, and seeing those relationships be repaired, seeing them, there's a lot of people that have lost really the connectivity with their kids, which is why most of us join these professions is to protect those that we love and in doing so those crises and traumas have forced us to become hardened from those relationships so to see them soften and see those relationships repaired where their legacies to their children are not all the ptsd symptoms but now Mm -hmm. compassion and empathy and love and strength um that hands down most rewarding part of the job Amazing. Well said. What a what a wonderful answer. Um, okay, so let's let's 
be a little more whimsical now. <laughs> Sorry, man. I, I, as a, uh, I, we got to get into that depth, and I appreciate you guys being willing to go there because I think it, um, a wiffle ball tournament doesn't even come close to scratching the surface for what the impact y'all have, right? If, if we stay in wiffle ball land, it's a little, um, it, 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 in my opinion, does a disservice to the work you guys do day to day. Um, so with that backdrop, let's spend eight to 10 minutes here chatting about where uh, I think it genuinely is one of the most incredibly brilliant fundraising platforms <laughs> that I've been, been a part of or, or seen. I mean, it's just a, it's a magical, and we've talked a little bit about the field itself. Um, but, but paint the picture for me, whoever wants to jump in. August 13th and 14th is going to look like what? Like, what? what, are, what is Wiffle at the Hollow? Yeah. Uh, and first of all, for people that are interested, go to wiffleatthehollow.com. Wiffle with no H, W-I-F-F-L-E, wiffleatthehollow.com. And all the information about how to sign up, that is there. Uh, you know, I think from a mental health standpoint, Justin, to what Wiffle really underlines is we need to have more play in our lives. We need to have more fun. And so hopefully we're being consistent with what we're teaching through the program is we all just got to go out and play Wiffle Ball, whether it's Wiffle Ball or you find your Wiffle Ball, right? And and so we're doing that. Uh, we People come and they're competitive, but still it's just we really emphasize the fun part of it. Before every game, Rex gives them the, kind of the ground rules. And, of course, nobody sets a tone for Wiffle and Whimsy better than Uncle Hud, right? <laughs> and and even our umpires, we learned, one of the things we've learned is the umpires are our master of ceremonies. You know, they need to set the tone. Yeah, they got to call a fair ball and a foul ball or that type of thing, but we want them to bring the energy. And uh, – and so the, what we've set up now with Wiffle Pinball, and it really evolved out of last year with COVID, is we couldn't have this big party that we'd had the three years before. A thousand people in Joe Ungashek's front yard. It's awesome. You know, teams playing, barbecue, people shoulder to shoulder. And yet from our standpoint, to keep our organization moving down the track, we couldn't go without the $100,000 plus of this Wiffle Ball event generates and so we had to get creative and we uh you know came out with life-size cutouts we've got buck o'neill playing first base we got jackie robinson at shortstop we got rex huddler at second of course uh and not, so it's not it's, a, it's a just, first round pick now but. it's just great we got salvi behind the plate you know we've got we got alex gordon in left field we got bo jackson in right so we've got these cutouts and and it's this combination of playing wiffle ball and you know if you hit it off a cutout you're out uh we even created a range box for each defender knowing that you know it doesn't have to just hit off of them it can go through their range box uh but then there's fun things so we've got uncle hud you know out in in uh left center if you hit it off him it's uh not only a home run but it's a plus one uh we've got a life-size cutout of george toma just in foul territory down the third baseline and he's pushing his fertilizer machine. And if you hit it <laughs> off of George, it's an automatic three outs, you know, because <laughs> you shouldn't be hitting it oh. off a 92-year-old Respect guy your elders, taking, man. Let's right, go. that's taking care of the field. And so it's just that fun. But you run the bases. That's part of it. So if you hit a double and it goes into the, you know, that section mark double, you're out, you're running to second base. And uh, so it's just all that kind of fun, whimsy, wiffle ball meets pinball. 
And uh, it's just incredible. People had an absolute blast. Well, and I think that's the thing. It is all the fun parts. You know, it yeah. is the offense. You don't have to go out and stand in the field and hope the ball comes towards you. You get to hit the ball. It's your own team throwing at you. Um, you get to run the bases. There's all the celebration. It's your team there. But, you know, it's just such a, a, a festive time. It's just – and it's great to watch everyone's expectations just get blown away. Because when you start every conversation with a potential sponsor or team and we're playing in the guy's front yard and they kind of look at you like, huh, Yeah, you're inviting Wait. me to what? And, you know, let's face it, the last thing the city needs is another – golf scramble or 5k and so this is really just something so unique and so out there um if you want to be treated like a sports celebrity for an hour and a half then come out and step on our wiffle ball field and uh you'll feel like you're in the world series i mean the 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 image of my mind or the video clip of my mind is alex gordon taking this massive i mean talking about mashing plastic like he uh, if I remember correct, he took this just wicked cut. I'm like, good night, man. Like, it's just super It fun. took him a couple swings, but obviously <laughs> when you're a world-class athlete, you dial in. <laughs> I was pitching to him. I did blow one past him. Just <laughs> nice. Just for but, the record. But he also took me deep a few times. But it was just, it was fun to see him do it, you know, and, and we've got men and women and people of all ages, and they're just playing wiffle ball and having a blast. It costs $3,500 to put together a team, and that number basically is what it costs us to send somebody through our program. So there's real meaning to a team that raises a minimum of of thirty five hundred. Now, my goal for my team is ten thousand, right? So we we are challenging people to raise a minimum of thirty five hundred. But you can play for thirty five hundred dollars. But we just see where people are thinking that's pretty cool. Our team awesome. just sends somebody through the five day program. And again, wiffle at the hollow.com is where you can go to find out all the information and how to sign up. That's awesome. Um, and, and it's going to be a, I mean, obviously uncle HUD, um, but it will also be a fairly star studded lineup in terms of some of the folks you guys are. Yeah. We, we are putting together a game on Saturday. They'll probably be played at noon. It'll be uncle HUD and, and we're working on another celebrity to, to captain the other team. And so uh, we will have our celebrity game more than likely at noon on awesome. Saturday. The rest of them are, are, you know, companies putting together teams because they want their team to come play team builder, or it's a bunch of buddies or friends putting together a team. So don't overthink it. You know, just come play, play wiffle ball. And, uh, and some, some people now contact us and say, hey, not only I want to do a team, I want to do two teams because we want to – basically fund the slot for those two teams, right? So it's Mitch Wheeler's team against Justin Rickler's team. Now we're playing buddies, right? And they can go do whatever side bets they want, you know, and who's <laughs> going to have the best wiffle ball team. But we're seeing a lot of creativity. It's like, hey, can we pay – if we fund two teams, can we play each other? And the answer is yes. That's awesome. And, um, you know, and also when we're done, we, we, we uh, go and they, we get an award. You know, get awards uh, for the team – most valuable player or something after every game. And then there's something to eat and, uh, and some refreshments, obviously. Uh, so it's not over. We go into Joe's backyard and um, there's usually a member of uh, the battle within that will share their story. So it's, it's a, it's an actual fundraiser that, that, that and there, so there is a presentation, but it's not a long one. It's, you know, you're getting a bite to eat and a cold beer and, and uh, it's kind of puts a cap on the afternoon. So it's not, not, not real time consuming, 
but it's very special. It's well done. It's amazing. Um, okay, last question, then we're going to wrap up and be respectful. I know some of us have games to broadcast, so <laughs> we need to, to be mindful of time. So a, a couple of strings here that you guys have, have kind of um, woven together is this concept of energy. You talked about positive energy in the broadcast booth. You talked about, Mitch, you talked about um, the energy of the day. Justin, you you referenced, I don't know if you used the word exactly, but you talked about this true self um, tapping into, I think, the deeper parts, which certainly include energy. Um, I would just be curious to hear each of you answer the, the, the concept or the question of how do you in your own career, in your own journey, in your own story, um, it, you know, when we when I have guests on individually, we'll go kind of deep into their own narrative and their own background. But I'd be curious to, you know, as you survey your own work ahead, right, in your job, your career, your life, your, your own story, um, how do you find that energy source? What is that practice? Is there a um, meditation ritual, you know, Rex, you mentioned your prayer life, right? Like, uh, or, or your, your, your connection to God, like what are, what are, you know, what's a practice that you, um, you find in your own story to, to tap into that energy source? Well, <clears throat> I think genetics has a big part of it. I was, uh, <laughs> I was uh, very fortunate to come from some great family, uh, us, you know, my, my dad's side of the family is from Poplar Bluff, Missouri, and my mom's side of the family is from West Texas. Um, my, my, the greatest man I ever knew was my great-grandfather. Um, he was, um, had a great character, great sense of humor, uh, fun. Um, that's kind of where I got a lot of the, a lot of the character side of me. Um, my the, the 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 most loving, wonderful woman I ever met was my grandmother from my dad's side. She was kind, um, and I spent a long time, a lot of my youth, because my parents had me when I was young, or when they were young. I mean, obviously I was young. You know, they they, they <laughs> yeah. were yeah they they were they were um, you know eighteen nineteen years old. So therefore, I had a long life with my grandparents, and I'm so grateful I benefited from that. So I got to see them in their own back backyard in the in the woods in Texas, and you know my great grandfather taught me how to milk a cow, and and my other my other uh, grandpa on in West Texas taught me how to hunt and fish and, and and to appreciate the outdoors, and so I was I was just well rounded. Uh, I would take the bus from Fresno, California, uh, as a thirteen year old kid, and bus to Texas three days. I mean, what what mom and dad would let their kid at thirteen go by himself on a bus now <laughs> nowadays it just wouldn't happen. So I I, I, I created a, an individual uh, um, uh, an identity and through that, and and and, and I, I always like to have fun. And then as I it, it was a perfect setup for 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 my career. As I went, I left home at seventeen, so I was independent. I was ready to move home, and I mean, I was ready to leave and. And, and so, um, you know, I always had high energy. I was always an energy player. Um, and I really believe that comes from my parents. And, and the, the greatest thing about that was uh, my mom taught me how to, to respect my elders, um, firm handshakes, eye contact. Um, she taught me some, some real key principles that I was going to use uh, as a youth, a young, young teenager, and as I went into my adulthood. Um, respecting elders and who it came from. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Those type of manners. Um, little did I know that when, 
when my first time I left from home, I, 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 I flew from Fresno to New York City to meet George Steinbrenner, the owner of the New York Yankees. That was my first real uh, of opportunity to, to reach out in the world. And, the, you know, the, the uh, taxi driver from the airport dropped me off at Yankee Stadium, and I saw the, the meter, and I'd never been in a taxi before. I saw the, the fare of the meter said 15 bucks. So I'm getting ready to give him a 20, and he goes, no, you owe me 60. I said, oh, really, what for? Well, you got to get me back to where I came from. So, so here I am in New York City, the first oh day gosh. away from home, from really away from home, and I get ripped off by the taxi guy because he knew it was my first taxi. <laughs> so I, I remember going in to give the, the receipt to the, uh, Mr. Steinbrenner's assistant, and I said, ma'am, here's my receipt. And she goes, oh, you paid way too much money. I go, well, he told me. And she, she said, <laughs> welcome to New York. <laughs> so here I am, and I, I wish that was that bell that would have rang and would have warned me for my future because when you're in the world – you're in the world. It's deep. It's dark. It's, you know, nobody cares about you. They want your money. And so here comes Mr. Steinbrenner through the door. Hey, Rex, how you doing? Hey, Mr. Steinbrenner, how are you, sir? Looking him in the eye, firm handshakes, just like my mom taught me. And then, and then sat in his meeting in his, in his office and, and just said, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, sir, no, sir. And seven years later, when he traded me, he wrote me a letter and told me that he liked me from the very uh, first time he met me. He liked the discipline I had, the manners I had, the respect. I had, uh, and he, and that I exemplified a great deal what it meant to wear the pinstripes, and, and I'm going to trade you to the Baltimore Orioles and, and move on. But, but thank you for being a, a great employee for me. I mean, I was wonderful. So, yeah. So, you know, my mom and my dad gave me some, some really good uh, tools to, to succeed on my own um, and then, and, and then to, to move on and, and encourage other people to do the same. But, but as far as the energy goes, the playing was fun, you know. Uh, you're either an energy giver or a taker. And one of my phrases in life is you're either a fountain or a drain. You either have life coming out for others or you're going to be a drain and suck people down the drain with you. You know, but, you know, to be a human being, we all end up in the drain at some point. You know, I can raise my hand and say, yeah, yeah, I've, I've had some moments in the drain. The key is not to stay down in the muck. It's to, it's to flush yourself back up and come and be a fountain again. So if you stay down in the, in the muck and you stay down in the drain a long time, guess what? You'll get covered up and you'll never be able to be light for others. So you've got to be able to circus, uh, you know, cir- uh, cycle your way through that and bring life and give life and, and, and give something and do something for somebody else. That's the key. What you do for yourself doesn't last. It's what we do for others that makes a difference. And so to be able to have a platform to do that, I thank God twice a day, at least every day, for the opportunity that he gives me. And we continue to move forward. I, I don't look back. I move forward and look forward uh, to the next person I come in contact with. That'll preach. <laughs> Just, Justin, you're up. You're going to make me pull that good up. Luck. Yeah. <laughs> good luck. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, really, it is the people around me. I love having mm. people around me. The best points in my life have been surrounded by people on a – on the same mission, trying to help each other grow. And that's really what gives me energy is um, trying to keep up with them. It's, it's such an honor to be around these amazing people. Um, and it, it keeps me going. Uh, I, I try and keep, stay up late at night to answer all Mitch's emails at 2 a.m. Um, because, yeah, it, it takes all that energy. So. Mitch doesn't just email me at 1 a.m. He emails you too. He emails everyone <laughs> and me. At it means I love you. It was so funny last night. I was, I was up late. Club. I was so great. I was emailing and I got done and I was like, man, I got two emails to get to first thing in the morning. And I woke up and I had like 
my whole inbox was full from Mitch, and I was like, okay, I don't feel as motivated now. <laughs> That's great. Mitch, you're up. Yeah, uh, my energy source is just knowing that um, God's my Lord and Savior, and if he's for me, who can be against me? And I've just really tried to press into to purpose. You know, what is the purpose for me? What is his purpose for me, not my purpose? And and so a lot of things I get to do now with the battle within, even though I still do sports marketing stuff, um, I just feel like all of it is a culmination for, you know, to do really work with Justin and Rex and others to create fun things like wiffle ball um, and uh, to generate revenue so that we can help men and women that just do the things that we don't want to personally do that they've done, whether it's fight for our freedoms or go to the car wrecks or uh, just these amazing people that suffer such amazing trauma. And now we get to help them just a little bit. Amazing. All right, let's wrap it up. We, we, uh, I prepped you. So sure. you guys got five questions you each have to answer. So we'll try to try to stay timeless and get y'all out of here. Um, question number one, and we'll just go Mitch, Justin, Rex each time. How about that? Um, no, question number one, what's the last book that you read or listened to? Um, currently reading a, a biography about Harry Truman. So he's always just kind of been a hero and actually got to meet him when I was five years old, uh, went out to the library and got to sit on his knee. He was a friend of my great, my grandfather's and took me on a personal tour of the library. Oh, that's and, awesome. Yeah. It, it just amazing. So just wanted to learn more about Truman. So that's the book I'm currently reading. Uh, reread Charlie Wilson's war because, um, yeah, much like PTSD, the Soviets were just this unconquerable force and a small team that, you know, decided that containment wasn't the answer. Let's let's go and try and kill Soviets, and that's really what we're trying to do with PTSD. And, uh, yeah, it's very inspiring to me. Well said. Rex? Awesome. I love autobiographies. I like uh, 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 true stories and things. And so Chuck Yeager's book was really one I I'd read this recently. It was uh, – he's in a uh, – pilot you know and test pilot and all these and he had led an interesting life and and to me it's fun i can i can uh, build from true stories love it all right uh number two when it's a low-key day or an off day what's your go-to t-shirt um we've got such cool wiffle ball shirts and in our logo people are always asking me about our logo so it's usually one of my wiffle ball shirts that has this cool wiffle ball logo and the battle within logo amazing can't beat it Amazing. Justin. So for me, it's uh, one of our amazing partners, the Spencer C. Duncan Foundation run shirt from the first time I was with them. They have probably the most emotionally impactful 5K run that comes up July 31st of this year. It's actually the 10-year anniversary of losing their son uh, when Extortion 17 in Afghanistan went down. Um, And it was such an honor to be given that shirt to hold the sign of one of the fallen men um, as everyone ran by, and uh, yeah, it's my favorite shirt over the weekend. Yeah. Powerful, wow. Rex. Anything Royals? <laughs> yeah, it's easy. It's fun, man. You know, uh, I, I I prepare to engage when I leave my house to engage fans. Costco, Price Chopper, the places I go for my family to shop, and and uh, so I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of people. I'm not. I don't hide from people. <laughs> I I engage. I look to engage. Are you a powder a baby blue guy or a, a royal blue guy? Anything royal, anything. Okay. It doesn't okay. matter what color it is. And you know, if I, I like if the I, I like the throwback. I like the powder blue man or yeah, whatever they're, they call they're, it. They're nice. The baby yeah, all of them yeah. are great. That's awesome. Um, what would you do right now if you weren't afraid, 
Mitch. Skydive. Yep. My wife did that uh, two years ago. Get and you and you watched from the I beach. I watched. I watched, <laughs> but I would I would love to do it. It just hadn't happened yet. Hadn't happened yet. All right, I can help you overcome that fear, Mitch. I'll push you out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be behind you, but I'll push you out. Um, for me, it would I would take six months off and uh, write the book for my son that I mm. have in my head. What's the book? Uh, it actually started. Um, from when I went through the class, it was an extension of the hero's journey I wrote uh, during my class four and a half years ago. And it's just kind of a coming of age book for him and the other kids in our life. So Powerful, man. You should write that book for sure. Yeah, Rex. Uh, I would go over Niagara Falls in a barrel. <laughs> uh, I, I'm afraid of heights and I'm a little afraid of deep waters too. So well, if I wasn't afraid, both. exactly, that would be awesome. I remember going there for the first time with my wife and I, I just tripped ever since then, you know, looking at that and, oh, and seeing how, how explosive and how much energy was going, that water was coming over the wall like that. And, and didn't know that, that there were people that went, went in a barrel over that. I was like, it, it was mind blowing. Crazy, super crazy. Um, number four, no, I'm blanking because I'm thinking about barrels and waterfalls now. That's um, <laughs> <laughs> no, good. Favorite place on earth, not Niagara Falls. Go, uh, Mitch. Big Island in Hawaii. Oh, never been. It's beautiful. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and it's got like every, every season, you know, you can go from lush island, to beach, to desert, to snow. It's unbelievable. Crazy. Crazy. Justin, favorite place on earth. Uh, my uncle had a farm growing up. I say farm. Had some land that we'd go and camp and fish and just run around and grow up at. And uh, Can't visit it anymore, but I can still close my eyes and just see it. And be it's there. a peaceful awesome. place. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, similar to me, uh, Yosemite National Park. Mm. Two and a half hours from Fresno where I grew up, and we were young and we would the church group would put our bikes in a truck and we would we would uh, t- uh, the truck would go up there and we would get in our bikes and ride in Yosemite Valley and I remember I couldn't believe how how beautiful it was and the wild animals that were out there I felt like I was in heaven it was, <laughs> seriously and it's, it snowed even I remember the flakes were were big as an as an apple and I'm like really and, and I didn't need a coat or anything it was a surreal place and I'll never forget that mm, amazing. <laughs> I wish I could go there. <laughs> Here in Utah, I'm like, let's go. What, what, why wouldn't we go right now? Um, last question, Mitch. Start us off. When it's all said and done, what do you want to be remembered for? Uh, being an encourager. So whether it's my to my wife, my kids, my grandkids, people I work with, just the opportunity to try and speak life into them. And you're doing that, my friend. You're doing that for sure. Mm. Justin. Yeah, so the secret mission of The Battle Within, which gets less and less secret every time I tell it, but um, <laughs> is to try and change the world. Um, and by doing that, we just mean everyone try and change their little corner of it, make it a positive, better place. And, yeah, that's my goal is to be a living example of that, make my little corner of the world a better place. And that's happening too, my friend, absolutely. The stories you guys are uh, being a part of changing those narratives is really powerful. Well done. Rex. Faith is a big part of my life, and um, I want um, on the back of my tombstone to be read, uh, this guy loved people. So I love people. I want to encourage every everybody I see, anybody I see, whether they're well off or they're not, um, I have a feel for that person. They have a soul. They have, a, they have life. They have something that they can give to others, and I just like to share and love and 
smile and say hi. And I love people. Yeah, that's very evident, my friend. Yeah. Very evident. Thanks for thank you uh, for doing that. So, Wiffle at the Hollow dot com is it dot com or dot org dot com dot com. Okay, great. Um, just for clarity, Wiffle at the Hollow dot com, and then the Battle Within dot org dot org. Okay, there's my dot org. I knew there's a dot org. <laughs> um, and you can follow the whole story on social. Do the whole thing. Anything else? Closing comments? Why did you guys want to share? Just we're we're over half the teams are full. You know, we got thirty two teams, eight games each day. Uh, so if you're interested, hustle please up. reach. Yeah, hustle up. Right now we're about eight. I think it's eighteen teams out of the thirty two. So those last fourteen will go pretty quickly. But we'd love to get more people involved. I will close with this. Um, uh, we, before we wrapped up, I asked the energy question, and and for those, there's a couple. We have a couple young young gentlemen here watching on, so they they can attest to this too. But uh, the energy in this room is is you can feel it. Like you guys have uh, a presence and an aura and 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 a purpose that I think is um, tough to translate um, over a over AirPods or wherever folks are going to listen to this. But but I I just want to affirm the work y'all are doing. The the Rex for you to give a piece of your platform to help share this story is powerful and really cool and authentic and justin for you to to share bravely your your own story and the ways that you um through community through relationship through digging deep into your yourself man found um something that not only transformed your life but that you're now doing on a day-to-day basis to help others is, is amazing um and mitch obviously man you I think the three of us in this room, five of us in this room have all been Mitch Wheeler. So <laughs> you, you are, uh, you are a great encourager in the ways that you are, um, changing the city, changing people, um, having an open hand and a, an abundant mentality is really cool. So, uh, I've enjoyed this. We went way longer than anticipated, but, uh, I'm grateful for y'all, uh, making the trip up to Liberty and, and sitting down with us for an hour. Great. Thank Nine you, Justin. Justin. Thank you so Thank much. You. All right. Take care. As always, thank you for listening. Your attention is super valuable, so thank you for giving it to us. If you're a fan of the show, please go rate and review us wherever you're listening to this. I would really appreciate it. Until next time, when we get to share another great conversation with you, have a great week and let your life tell a meaningful story.